Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the show, Fist Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host, Nick Eber. Great to be with you. We've got a huge show to get to today. Obviously, we've had a bunch of Premier League matches over the weekend. We can talk about them. Let's take a look at the table, see where people stand. We've got Champions League this week. We're going to touch on uh, both match days, all uh, four matches we got in the Champions League this week. We'll talk about that. But the big story, uh, the story that is rocking the football world, of course, the decision by UEFA to hand Manchester City a two-year ban for impropriety, for lying, for cheating financial fair play. That's what's being alleged. That's what UEFA have found Manchester City guilty of. Now, obviously, there are two sides to every story. Uh, Manchester City certainly have their side. I'm not sure how much weight it holds, how much weight it has, how much water it holds. Uh, But let's take a look at it. Let's uh, try to give both sides here and um, take a look and see where it is. But look, the ramifications of this are nothing short of cataclysmic. And I'm going to explain to you why there's more than just a two-year ban at stake here. That this has massive ramifications for English football. Forget European football for a minute. For English football for many years to come, Let's talk about it. I think you might be surprised at my angle on this, and I'm also going to give you my opinion of financial fair play. Now, look, later on this week, I'm going to have Bob Caldwell from Colossar Latham. He is the United States' top soccer attorney, the only American ever to be uh, invited to the uh, UEFA law program. Uh, He is uh, really well-versed in all this, and I'm going to ask Bob to come on so we can talk about it. But those are the topics on the table today. Love to chat to you. Find me on Twitter, at McGeber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. So once again, we're going to talk about Man City, take a brief look back at the Prem, and then we're going to get into a little bit of Champions League action for the week, and um, that's what's on the table. So stay with me here. Uh, By the way, big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. Always a pleasure and a privilege to speak to you guys. And if you're listening uh, on one of our digital platforms, whether that's iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or the award-winning Sirius XM app, I welcome you to the show. All right, I'm going to step aside, take a brief, brief break, and I'll be right back to kick it off after this. All right, welcome back, uh, Fistry Soccer. Let's t- let's get right to it because we've really got a lot to get to today, and uh, our time, unfortunately, is uh, always limited here on this show because it's one hour a day. But I'm with you daily, Monday through Friday, uh, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211. Uh, but let's start, shall we? Because we had some games starting on um, 
Friday. Uh, well, I told you this match was going to be nil-nil between Wolves and Leicester at Molyneux, and it was indeed a nil-nil uh, match. Uh, and in terms of the table situation, I thought that was uh, that was interesting because, again, uh, you know, Friday had different ramifications than today does because of this UEFA decision regarding Manchester City. Uh, but now, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers in seventh place. They are only four points behind Tottenham, who currently sit in fifth fifth place. And um, Leicester City, of course, pretty firmly entrenched in the in the top three. It's going to take a miracle to move them out of the top four. I, I don't actually see it happening. Um, fascinating stuff. A nil-nil draw at Molyneux. I sort of thought that was how it was going to go. It was one of those games that just smelt like a draw to me. Um, Liverpool, tough work at, at Carrow Road, by the way, against uh, Norwich. Uh, it took them a while to break Norwich down. A beautiful uh, Sadio Mane finish. I don't know how he saw that goal. I mean, really, it was absolutely gorgeous finish. Uh, did Norwich in. Norwich fought hard, played well. And... Uh, Unfortunately for Norwich, their ticket to the championship is all but punched at this point. They are for sure going to be relegated. And, uh, you know, Daniel Farker, uh, he was tasked with a very difficult job at Norwich. They didn't want to invest in new players for the Premier League. They wanted to reward the players that had got them to the Premier League with contracts, which they did. Uh, and as a result... They uh, have been woefully outclassed... Um, in the Premier League and are going to go straight down. Now, there's two sides to this because keep in mind, they probably didn't spend all of the money that they made that they're going to make in the Premier League. They're going to go down. They're going to get parachute payments and they're going to have largely the same squad uh, with which they ran away with the championship last season. So I think it's interesting uh, and if ever there was a sort of bounce-back scenario, you'd have to think Norwich are going to be a candidate for it, although it is very difficult to do, in fairness. But I wouldn't be surprised if Norwich bounced back. Keep in mind, the championship is probably the most grueling, difficult, competitive league in all of football. And I'm, I mean, uh, the Premier League, I'm talking about, uh, you know, I'm talking about La Liga, I'm talking about Bundesliga, I'm talking Serie A, the championship, the most difficult league. I'm not saying the best league, obviously, by a long shot, but I'm talking about the most difficult, competitive and, and grinding league that there is uh, in world football. So Norwich going to go back into the meat grinder, try to come back up into the Prem. And who knows, maybe when they come back up next time, They'll uh, invest in a new squad and uh, a, a new outlook, and they should have a fairly large uh, pool of money available. They will likely keep faith with the manager um, because, really, quite frankly, I mean, he's done nothing wrong. By the way, Norwich with that big upset early on in the in the season, if you remember, against Manchester City. Um, some of the other matches, Burnley traveled to St. Mary's, beat Southampton. Now, this was a game I did not figure on. Um, Southampton, if you can remember... Uh, under Ralph Hassenhudel, had that just god-awful run uh, up until about the end of November when, uh, quite frankly, they were sort of mired at the bottom of the table. They had uh, uh, seven games. They'd lost six, uh, drawn one, 
uh, I'm beating in uh, no wins in seven games. And they, uh, and in fact, in eight games, they drew two, lost six. It was that 2-2, though, at the Emirates against Arsenal that kind of turned their season around. They had a couple of difficult matches against big competition sort of right after that. They had a couple of bounce-back wins, and they started rising. They had that very nice uh, uh, seven-game spell where they uh, won five, drew one, lost one. Uh, but the last couple of games have been losses, and they've been disappointing losses. Obviously, Liverpool 4-0, uh, that was to be uh, expected. But to lose at St. Mary's to Burnley, uh, a team that was, uh, I want to say, uh, e- even with them on points at the time, but probably still ahead of them in the table on goal differential, um, I thought was a very disappointing result for that. And, and uh, I think they can thank that nice uh, run of eight games that we discussed that will keep them out of the drop zone because I, I think they're about to go into another tailspin. Although they do have Aston Villa up next and the villains, unfortunately, are pure crap these days with losses to Tottenham and Bournemouth. Uh, so that should give you a flavor of what that match meant in terms of the Premier League. Uh, Arsenal, well, let's get to Spurs. They go to Villa, by the way, two a 3-2 result. Uh, I was surprised that Aston Villa scored three on Tottenham Hotspur. Um I thought that uh, this was going to end 2-2 until right at the end when uh, Son Hung min gets that uh, goal right, his second goal. And by the way, he scored the first goal in stoppage time in the first half and he scores the winning goal in stoppage time in the second half. But, you know, some of this is a belief that a team has that they can get it done. And and I know with everything going on, with, uh, you know, Man United's meltdown and Liverpool running away with everything and Man City being banned, but even before being banned, having, uh, you know, a season with the losses and draws and all the sort of stuff that they didn't have before. Uh, uh, Jose Mourinho's tenure at Tottenham Hotspur has flown uh, quite against the radar, under the radar, which for Jose Mourinho is uh, always a surprise because, I mean, this guy is larger than life and and likes to be front and center of just about everything. But this, I think, shows you a team that is gelling, coming together, has belief, and fights to the last minute. And, you know, for all of the discussions about Mourinho and how he likes to split the locker room and create problems and, uh, you know, he plays favorites, I I just don't think we're seeing that here. We may be seeing, indeed, a steady hand at the helm, which in the post-Pochettino era is exactly what they're looking for at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And keep keep uh, in mind, this was away at Villa Park in Birmingham. So that was an excellent result for Tottenham and uh, well-deserved. If you look at the table right now, you'll see that Tottenham are currently in fifth place. And guess what, folks? That is very likely going to be a Champions League spot for them, which would be fascinating stuff. Although coming up a huge, huge match uh on uh, saturday they are going to face chelsea uh and uh we'll see how they do there of course chelsea uh played man united on on monday today so um fascinating stuff indeed man united 35 points they are currently if you think fifth place is a champions league spot now because of the man city ban 
Uh, Man United are only five points off. But, you know, if there's a dark horse to look at here, it'd be Sheffield United. But let's get to that in a second, because the other match I want to talk about was uh, Newcastle going to the Emirates, uh, playing a good, solid first half against Arsenal. I sort of, uh, first half, I sort of suspected... I said this was going to be a draw, and then all of a sudden, Arsenal just blow it wide open. A 4-0 result, goals between the 54th and the 95th minute of play, a disastrous uh, 40 minutes of football for Newcastle United. And I don't know, Steve Bruce's side absolutely slammed on that one. I thought they played Arsenal well. Could this be the start of something for Arsenal? I suppose it could be. I still think they're rubbish, but... You never know. Uh, nice to see Nicolas Pepe scoring. Also, Aubameyang scoring again. And Lacazette getting on the scoreboard, uh, which had, which meant a lot to uh, the club. All right, I'm going to take a break. Well, let's come back and let's start talking about uh, what's going on at the Etihad because this is a huge story and it's not going to go away anytime soon. Breaking news. This important public service announcement is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Folks, they've got a brand new trimmer. It's the best on the market. The third generation lawnmower 3.0 manscaping trimmer now available for purchase. Look, this one features a leading cutting edge ceramic blade. It's going to prevent manscaping accidents. And you know, if you love your family jewels as much as I do, you're going to want to make sure that you don't slice them off. And the Manscaped 3.0 lawnmower will help make that happen. Millions of uh, balls are about to be nick-free, thanks to Manscaped Advanced Skin Safe Technology. Look, if you've ever tried to shave your nether regions, you know how iffy that can be, particularly if you have trouble seeing everything down there. But look, the uh, Lawnmower 3.0 is going to make it easy for you. Uh, safe, quick, trim, beautiful. I know Valentine's Day's over, but trust me, your significant other will love you for this. Now you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code B-L-E-A-V. Look, you can be like me. I went from Prince Harry to King Baldrick with the new lawnmower 3.0 at manscaped.com. All right, welcome back to the show for Street Soccer. Look, the big story, obviously, rocking the football world is uh, the... The poo-poo that rolls downhill, I guess, starting with a Der Spiegel, the German magazine and their expose a couple of years ago of Manchester City, accusing Manchester City of impropriety in their dealings with their number one sponsor, which is Etihad Airlines, which is the airline of Abu Dhabi, which is owned by um, the Sheikh Mansour, who owns Manchester City. Oh, by the way, don't don't put it out of your head. Sheikh Mansour owns Man City, yes, but you know the Chinese government has a fairly nice stake in that club as well. So, the Spiegel claim that in order to skirt financial fair play regulations and provide investment to the club for players and other such things that they need, uh, it was a fairly simple scheme. Uh, what happened was uh, the uh, the Sheikh who happens to own the Etihad Airlines, would get word that they needed, 
you know, $50 million, $30 million, whatever the number was. And then uh, Etihad Airlines would miraculously offer to up their sponsorship at the club for that amount of money. And the Sheikh would provide that money to Etihad, who would in turn pass it along to Manchester City. Now, that is, folks, is illegal. But if all the parties, uh, the, the sponsor, the club, the owner, uh, say, oh, you know, no, no, this was a sponsorship, this was totally legit. I mean, who's to say otherwise, right? It's that plausible deniability thing. Unfortunately, uh, a hacker got in touch, got a hold of a bunch of emails from internal club emails uh, regarding this scheme and leaked them or provided them to De Spiegel. I know it sounds like a dog, but it's not. It's a German magazine who uh, investigated and published the expose. Uh, a couple of years later, uh, it has gone through the process the facts were investigated by UEFA, and UEFA said, hey, you know what? You're right. Manchester City have violated financial fair play rules. Now, I, I want to, before I get into the ramifications of this and what it means for global football and what it means for English football, because I promised you I would do that, and I will do that, I, I want to just talk to you a bit about financial fair play, because I know this sounds like, oh, those bad, naughty people. Oh, and by the way, I'm not a Man City fan. You know that, right? So just, just to put that right out there. It sounds like, oh, those bad, naughty people, financial doping. They are cheating. They're being naughty. They're getting an unfair advantage, which is certainly true. But I would suggest to you that the entire concept of financial fair play is cheating and giving an unfair advantage. And I'll explain to you what I mean. Do you remember, how long have you been uh, following, watching, listening, loving this global game of football? If it's been the last, um, let's just say since uh, the 2000s, the mid-2000s, you, my friend, are a relative newcomer to the game. And by the way, welcome. Great to have you. Uh, this is not uh, some football snobbery or some elitist talking to you. I just want to put a few things in perspective for you. Manchester City Football Club were, for decades, an afterthought. A club... that wasn't very successful. I mean, there's really no other way to put it, right? I mean, they just they just weren't a, 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 a very good club. They were sort of the other club in Manchester, although, and uh, let's be honest, they uh, were probably the club that was supported the most in... Um, Probably the club that was supported most in uh, in in English in Manchester football. I'm sorry, I was uh, spilling a drink on myself as I'm talking. I know it's bad radio, but let me put this into perspective for you. Um, we all know the dominance that Manchester City have had uh, since a shake. Mansour took over. Uh, Premier League titles in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2017, the back-to-back -back 2018. Four Premier League titles. But did you know before that? Manchester City last won the top league of English football 
1967. And as late as 2001, they were playing in the second division. Think about that for a minute, please. They won the uh, League Cup in 75. That was the most recent silverware they had. In terms of European Vic championships, they won the UEFA Cup back in 69-70. So if, if, you, if you understand what I'm getting at here, what I'm telling you is that Manchester City were a, a club that one might suggest would be, say, uh, not unlike a Bournemouth, perhaps, although with a little bit more success. This is not a club that was a global powerhouse of football at any point in, the, in, in its history, up until the time it was purchased by Sheikh Mansour, at which point the good Sheikh took his never-ending supply of money and dumped it into the club and lo and behold they became one of the best teams in the world uh, relatively overnight in terms of uh, the footballing uh, timeline if you know what i mean i mean it wasn't literally overnight but you know what i mean right <clears throat> so to his credit and and, and i'm going to Put credit where credit's due. I mean, Sheikh Mansour and, and City Football Group, they don't just own Manchester City. They own uh, they own other, other clubs as well. Um, I think they own NYCFC here, and they own in the States, and they own some other clubs globally. But Man City, obviously, they're, you know, they're absolute, they're absolute crowning jewel. By the way, they're not the only team to have done this. Chelsea Football Club. You know, Chelsea. We talk about them. Everybody loves Chelsea. There was that period, 2004 to 2000, I don't know, till, uh, what, 2004, 2014, 2009. I mean, four years, they won the, they won the Premier League. Everybody loves Chelsea. Everybody's walking around with Chelsea kit and you know, Frankie Lampard and John Terry and their cult heroes here. But look, the last time Chelsea won the league prior to 2004 was 1954. Now, admittedly, in 96-97, uh, oh, and 99-2000, and they did win the FA Cup. Yeah, and they, they had a little bit of success, for sure. They won the... Uh, the League Cup as well, 97-98. And they won the Cup Winners' Cup uh, back in the 70s and, uh, and late 90s. But, but in terms of league success, it didn't exist. 55, 1954-1955 season. Of course, Roman Abramovich, the great Russian oligarch, pops up with his never-ending sums of money and decides uh, he would like very much to uh, own a football team in London. So he buys Chelsea. It was being it was owned at that point by Ken Bates, the man that destroyed Leeds United. He had done a pretty good job sort of destroying Chelsea. They had made a big investment in a real estate deal around Stamford Bridge called Chelsea Village that had absolutely fallen on its face. And Chelsea Football Club, thing of the past. They were a few minutes from bankruptcy, and Abramovich comes in, buys them, starts plowing huge quantities of money in, 
And all of a sudden, boom, they win, what, uh, four or five titles, right? Four or five Premier League titles. How many is it? One, two, three, four. Five titles. Something like that. Anyway, you get it. You get where I'm going with this. Um, so, folks, it's not just in England. And we see it in, 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 in other words. Look, there's some talk about the uh, Saudi wealth fund wanting to buy Newcastle United. Although I'm going to tell you why it's a little different, because that falls in line with my financial fair play discussion, which I'm going to get to on the other side of the break. All right. Fistry Soccer. Find me on Twitter, at Nagiba. Love to know what you think about this. I'm trying to give you a little background on financial fair play and some of the changes that money has made in the Premier League. All right. I will be right back after this. Welcome back, uh, Fist Street Soccer. That was quick because I've got a lot to get to today. I mean, we've got a lot to talk about here because financial fair play, we're talking about Manchester City, we're talking about the UEFA findings, we're talking about the absolute crap storm that right now is going on in English football as a result of this. Now, look, uh, you remember we've had these scandals before. We had this scandal with Juventus, remember? They were docked points retroactively. They had to give up um, They had to give up uh, trophies that they had won. They had to be relegated to uh, Serie B. Uh, remember this uh, because of uh, some improprieties in in trying to fix games. They were docked points, serious points. Uh, same thing going to happen here, very very likely if this UEFA ban is upheld. But look, let's get to it because in the previous segment I spoke to you about for, uh, what has happened with certain teams in English football, and it's not just English football. You can make very much the same comparisons, for example, uh, to uh, PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. Very, very, very similar, by the way. Paris Saint-Germain was um, a French team, plays in Ligue 1. If you know anything about France and, Glo and, and European football, which I'm sure you do, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, Ligue 1 is a... Um, it's a secondary league in 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 um in Europe. Not the PSG aren't a fantastic team because they are and they are loaded. But this is a team that hadn't won Ligue 1 since 1993, and they'd only won it one time before that in 1985. And then all of a sudden, Qatar Sports Investment Group come in and buy this team. And they won six titles almost in a row. They didn't win 2016, 2017, but they won 13, 14, 14, 15, 15, 16, uh, 17. Oh, pardon me, it was in a row, right? 13, 14, 15. No, they didn't win 16, 17. I think they came second. I mean, think about that for a minute. A team in a secondary league in France gets bought by the Qataris and they start throwing untold amounts of money at it and all of a sudden, boom, this team wins six out of seven titles. 
Of course, this team isn't about winning titles in France. We, we get that. The Qataris want this team to become a global brand, a la what happened at Manchester City, a la what happened with Roma Bramovic at Chelsea. Looking at clubs like Manchester United, the Qataris say, hey, this is a great way <clears throat> to build a global brand, to tie good things to Qatar, which, let's face it, hasn't really had the best press and the best PR. And, of course, they have a World Cup coming up. What better way to do it than to build a Champions League winning team? And, and honestly, I mean, you know, and they have done that. Think about this for a minute. Kylian Mbappe, Edison Cavani, Neymar, Di Maria. Julian Draxler. And Herrera. Kalen Navas in goal. Thiago Silva. I mean, this is a team. I, I, I know I'm missing. A Verratti, of course. Marco Verratti. Marquinhos. I mean, this is a team that is uh, literally just went out and bought every good player. They come have Neymar for crying out loud. By the way, I personally think Neymar highly overrated. But you and I can talk about that at, at any other time you want. So... We saw it also briefly with Monaco, but that didn't work well because the uh, ownership situation at Monaco, uh, he got into some hot water and, uh, uh, you know, got into trouble. And um, the whole point about Monaco was that it was a principate and it was outside of... Uh, uh, and it was outside of the, the tax code and all this other sorts of stuff. Uh, Dmitry uh, Rybovlyev, uh, pardon my name, my, my bad English, but uh, they tried it at Monaco and it didn't work. But everywhere else it has worked. And of course, uh, right now, Newcastle United, the Saudis talking to Newcastle United about buying that team. So what UEFA, what FIFA did, uh, UEFA did really, um, in, in order to try to um, quote unquote stop teams quote-unquote buying leagues they put in a series of financial regulations called financial fair play that essentially limits the amount of money that ownership and clubs can spend on players on infrastructure on all this other sorts of stuff although i don't actually think infrastructure is a part of it i talk specifically about players and footballing operations and limit it to some form of percentage of receipts. Now, on the surface, you might look at this and say, wow, that's absolutely brilliant. We're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. And of course, Manchester City, this is what they've been found guilty of, is violating these financial fair play rules. In other words, they may not have made that money that they wanted to spend legitimately. If it had indeed been a true sponsorship from Etihad Airlines, if Etihad Airlines had said, yes, we'd love to sponsor this extra 50 million or 100 million or 400 million, whatever the number was, I don't remember offhand, uh, because the response we're getting so great, uh, that would be something else. But that's not what it was. It was a pass-through and an attempt to cloud direct investment from its owner, which, is, which now they're saying you can't do. But I'm going to suggest to you that it's a little like three or four or five bank robbers uh, finding a wonderful bank that they can rob 
you know, it's got a security guard that's drunk all the time, that the guys leave the safe open, and um, and they go in and they rob this bank, and nothing changes. Even after being robbed four or five times, the bank's still the same. The security guard's drunk and asleep, and the tellers leave the safe open, and they don't lock the front door at night. And all of a sudden, uh, the those four clubs, so those four uh, bank robbers or five bank robbers turn around and say, oh my God, look at this bank. Look at how lax the security is. We need to make sure nobody else can come in and rob this bank other than us. So we're going to put in a series of safeguards. We're going to close that vault. We're going to lock the door. We're going to hire a new security company so that nobody else can come in and rob. And that, my friend, is what financial fair play is about. And I, for one, do not support it. I don't see any reason why a well-heeled individual company or even national investment fund shouldn't be able to come in and invest in a club and build the neighborhood, build the community. Man City, by the way, done a wonderful job, not just on the team, on the stadium, but in the community and the training grounds and their outreach and all the things they've done for Greater Manchester. I, I don't think you can fault them for what they have done with the club that they have invested such large amounts of money in. But there, my friends, there, therein lies the rank hypocrisy here. And I'll take it another step. Wait a minute. Are you telling me it's not okay for an owner to take money out of his own wallet and put it into the club, but it is okay for a club like Manchester United to leverage itself up to the hilt in debt to pay for those very same things? One is okay? Are you telling me it's okay to put this on a credit card, but it's not okay to just pay it from savings? I mean, really, come on. Does this make any sense to you whatsoever? And then when you hear of the Saudi fund wanting to buy into Newcastle United, can you imagine what that would do to the community, to Newcastle, which is really the only team in Newcastle, the best supported team? It is everything to the community. That is why I don't like this. No, that is why I don't like any of this. But those are the rules. And I'm sorry I've taken so long to explain them to you, but I want you to understand what they mean. Those are the rules. So now the question is, Man City agreed to those rules, and now they violated them, uh, which they have indeed. And now they should be punished, which they should indeed. Uh, UEFA have said a two-year ban from the Champions League, which is draconian to say the least. It's going to do a number of things, not least of which is invalidating the contracts of almost all of the players on that club because they all have Champions League clauses in there. I'm pretty sure the manager's clause is going to be, uh, contract's going to be invalid as well, uh, or voided, excuse me, not validated, voided. And the chances are very, very good that if they get a two-year ban from UEFA, which they have got, and it's going to be appealed, but if it's upheld, that they will suffer a domestic point reduction that may well be retroactive to the season in question, which would, in fact, likely hand the title to Liverpool retroactively. It's very possible by this time next year, Liverpool will have two Premier League titles. But with two years outside of the Champions League, 
a laser and sharp magnified look at everything this club does financially man city are going to be looking a lot like chelsea here over the next few years and whether the bans reduced to one year which which i pretty much think it will be it is going to open up a fifth spot this season for the champions league uh, even if city win it this year they will not get to uh, defend their title uh, they will not play in the champions league next year and as a result uh, fifth place in the premier league table becomes so important by the way if you want a nice little long shot bet i think i saw 25 to 1 for sheffield united it's a long shot but wouldn't it be great if the blades could sneak into uh, the champions league but look what are the ramifications of this i'm going to tell you because not a lot of people have been talking about this the ramifications of this are that if you look currently at the situation in the Premier League, if Manchester City are no longer a force to be reckoned with for the next three, two to five years, it is going to open a window for total Liverpool domination of the Premier League. We could see a Liverpool era in the Premier League uh, similar to that sort of era we saw under Sir Alex Ferguson and Manchester United. We could see Jurgen Klopp re-signing staying at liverpool and liverpool becoming the neck the dominant player in the league through the mid 2020s in fact i suspect that is what we're going to see there is no other club in the league that is positioned today to challenge them you can see this chelsea are not positioned as such Leicester City are work uh, 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 a uh, 50 horsepower engine doing a 50 horsepower job and are doing it very well by the way. Arsenal a shambles. Maybe Tottenham Hotspur. Maybe Tottenham Hotspur. If you think Jose Mourinho might finally find that situation where he wants to have a long tenure, it's possible. But that I think is what's going to happen total liverpool domination over the next five years that's what i predict. no seriously that's what i predict but let I me mean, tell me who do you think i'm sorry folks by the way we didn't get into the champions league today uh, we will do that but this this story is is so important man united they're not going to challenge everton they're not going to challenge wolves not going to challenge sheffield not going to challenge chelsea a shambles leicester city at 100 percent capacity already maybe tottenham hotspur 25 points folks that's the gap at the top between liverpool and manchester city right now you take away manchester city and it's 26 points who is going to challenge liverpool for the next five years with city out of the equation nobody all right i'll be right back All right, welcome back for Street Soccer. Nick Gieber with you. Uh, well, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, a bit of a soapbox moment for me. But it's a very important... I mean, this is a huge moment. I mean, this is a transitional moment in football. And not just English football, but the European football. And if you consider right now Liverpool football team the best club team in the world, which I do, by the way, by a long margin. Um, 
global club football. And by the way, why do I consider them the best team in the world? But Nick, what about Barcelona? But what about Real Madrid? But what about Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund? Yeah, these are all great teams, don't get me wrong. But almost to a team, they are all at the end of a cycle and have a rebuilding process ahead of them. Liverpool do not. Liverpool are just now hitting that sweet spot of a dynasty. And whether it's a two-year, three-year, five-year, seven-year, nine-year, probably not that long. I'm saying somewhere about four or five years. Liverpool right now are the best team in world football and will be that way for a while. I, again, see no other team capable of knocking them off. Look, even PSG got knocked off one year in uh, Ligue 1, as we pointed out. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win every single year, but it is going to be total dominance at Anfield. And after a 30-year wait, I believe the Liverpool fans and their solid, rock-solid ownership, I might add, are going to be rewarded for their patience, going to be rewarded for their investment, and are going to be rewarded for tolerating being the brunt of the insults and the jokes from the Chelsea's and the United's and the cities of the world over the last few years. All right, that is going to wrap up the show for me. I will be back on the air with you tomorrow. Remember to join me at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211 Dan Patrick Sports. By the way, the podcast available immediately following the show at the Believe Podcast Network. Speak to you tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.